there was a product that could help you control cravings, burn more fat, boost your metabolism, promote healthy blood glucose levels, lower inflammation, optimize insulin sensitivity, support healthy blood lipid levels, and support healthy blood pressure. Introducing Bellatrim. Bellatrim may be the most comprehensive body transformation product in the world. Weight management is more than calories in and calories out. It's about controlling appetite, having a healthier gut, supporting insulin function, stimulating fat-burning metabolism, and promoting healthy blood lipids and blood pressure. A proprietary blend backed by six clinical studies. Control cravings. Burn more fat. Bellatrim, powered by nature. Backed by science. You walk into this room at your own risk because it leads to the future. Not a future that will be, but one that might be. This is not a new world. It is simply an extension of what began in the old one. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. It has refinements, technological advances, and a more sophisticated approach to the destruction of human freedom. But like every one of the super states that preceded it, it has one iron rule. Logic is an enemy and truth is a menace. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. And that's right. Look at this right there. Oilpayout.com uh, coming off of Market Ultra brought to you by, of course, Oilpayout.com on LFA TV, front page of, uh, of Rumble on a regular basis. We're featured and we appreciate our partnership. Uh, this morning's top news headline over there was commercial real estate crash uh, is unfolding. CPI data came out and... Uh, it was exciting to watch Craig throw up some charts real time 
plunder and pillaging. Just right. Sell off. Markets react to the CPI uh, data. I did not get a chance to get to the unemployment. We're going to play that tomorrow. We'll get to that. So every single day, Monday through Friday, we on Market Ultra. These are important uh, times right now that we're in on many different levels. Uh, one level is, ladies and gentlemen, the greatest threat to democracy, quote unquote, are the Republicans right now. They are. Uh, you know, and what really, really quadruple inspired me to bring you what I'm about to bring you, which uh, uh, let me get uh, Deb Santilli on for a little bit. She make an appearance and then she's going to put her fire suit on and just step aside a little bit because <laughs> a lot. I, <laughs> yeah. OK, because uh, I'm going to today uh, and, and Steve Bannon can't evade me anymore. That's mm -hmm. it today. One of the Republicans, one of the biggest ones, biggest, okay? His name is Steve Bannon. He's got a MAGA umbrella, Republican umbrella, and he's doing some pretty shady crap. And I'm going to, I mean, I have to expose it. J.D. Vance, in the same fashion that J.D. Vance came out and said the Republicans put a poison pill in that bill under Mitch McConnell and Schumer and all of them um, uh, to funnel tens of billions of dollars to the Ukraine. And if President Trump were to make a move to try to stop that, that he would be impeached. You see, it's the Republicans that did that. It's the Republicans that have uh, basically taken the minds of the MAGA voter and pushed people like Naomi Wolf in front of them who is connected, per me, per this show, connected to an entity that, A, built or diverted $500,000, allegedly, from the U.S. pilots. Then she goes to an RFK Jr. fundraising campaign, and it's all happening uh, on the war room with the war room posse. War room posse is over there. <laughs> they have no idea that Stephen K. Bannon... Is now, and I have absolute legal proof. He can't even sue me for reading his own words under oath on legal transcripts that I, I have the legal documents. I'm going to present them. There is not one war room posse member say, oh, you're dividing, you're dividing. Anybody that stands with Steve Bannon from this day forward, you're an idiot. And get the word out to the War Room Posse members and tell them, we don't want to hurt Mike Lindell. They sell a lot of pillows over there. That's the War Room Posse. Just do me a favor. Use, And I'm not just saying that. Use promo code whatever, okay? Use uh, Brandon Houses or whoever. Use Alex Newman's. Use Roger Stone's. Yeah, let's use Roger Stone's. I'm not doing this for me. For I don't want to hurt Mike Lindell. But more importantly, I don't want to hurt America. And Steve Bannon is now documenting. Today, I'm going, to, I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to put the legal documents on the screen. Not only that he lied to help the deep state frame President Donald J. Trump, but Steve Bannon is also uh, known to have met with Jeffrey Epstein. So he's got Jeffrey Epstein meetings. He's got lying to uh, uh, under oath. To help frame President Trump and this guy, nothing's happening to him. He's just over there at the war room policy saying, MAGA, 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 
Maga, Maga. Oh, now listen to Naomi Wolf vote for RFK Jr. And I'm done with these freaking scumbag Republicans like this piece of crap Steve Bannon. That's it. So anyways, without further ado, uh, Deb Santilli, how are you? Good, how are you? Good morning. Hi, you got your fire suit on? Uh, no. No. Yeah. You want to detach yourself from uh, anything potentially incriminating because you know how you end up on those multi-billion dollar, you know, defamation lawsuits. Yeah, I think I'll just pass on this one. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's not going to happen. I'm not going to present anything today other than what is factually available. I'm going to stick to the facts. I will express my opinion. I'm allowed to do that. And by the way, I am a reporter and I will report to you from the legal documents I read. That's what we're going to stick to. So if Steve Bannon wants to sue me, bring it. Mm. Bring it. I'd like to call my first witness, yeah. Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> there you go. Hmm? Who didn't kill himself. He did not kill himself. He, well, there's one thing for sure. He had all kinds of goods on all kinds of people. So I yeah. don't even think we, I don't even think we know the depth of it. Yeah. You know, but yeah. So good morning. Good morning to everybody. Thank you for being uh, with us. It is quite the headline this morning. And Pete's going to be taking over here to present that to you all. I am. Um, and uh, then uh, also, please let everybody know mm -hmm. how epic and I mean epic that interview was that we're going to play today Yeah, with Byron Stenson. So Please. Byron Stenson is the man that you guys have been reading about. He is the man who genetically uh, engineered and was able to, to, to um, create two perfect, I think there's even more by now, but two perfect red heifers. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, we have to be very, very careful about this because mm -hmm. Hamas just released, and I'm sure you're going to be showing everybody that, right? Hamas released a, a statement uh, saying that one of the reasons they did the October 7th uh, raid in Israel was because of these two red heifers. And uh, so... It is very controversial, especially on the left. Uh, they feel that Christians, Pete, are trying to propagate, trying to hurry up, trying to manipulate uh, the coming of uh, the coming of the Antichrist and the Son. And and I mean, there's a lot of people who have a lot of different opinions about what these folks are doing. Yeah, so, I'll tell you what, there is something called the Temple Institute. Yeah. Okay. They've prepared everything. And I mean everything. Mm -hmm. They've prepared everything, which also includes a replica of the Ark of the Covenant. And guess who has a replica of the Ark of the Covenant? Mm-hmm. Deb Santelli, tell everyone who has a replica of the Ark of the Covenant. It was really interesting because James O'Keefe went to Mar-a-Lago and he had his photo taken in front of the exact replica that Donald, that is owned by Donald A. Trump. I'm sorry, Donald, Donald J. A. Donald J. Trump. Uh, we found that very fascinating. And you guys, uh, in this interview, you'll be talking about that mm -hmm. uh, about that replica and the and significance how, of that replica yeah and mm -hmm. how it came to be 
So uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's a great it's a great interview, very controversial, and you guys are going to be hearing it here in just a little while. So, mm. but we do want to say hello to everybody. Thank you guys so much for hitting that thumbs up button. If you haven't already, please go do that. Hit that thumbs up. It helps propagate the show, As, uh, which means it it, it um, changes the algorithm and it helps the show mm. get out there to everybody. So I want to say just real quick hello to Rockabilly Guitar. I love that. I love your screen name. Damn. FAA Mechanic and Clebart and Chappie. You guys oh my God. are amazing. Where's your phone? It's right here. Get that picture. Okay? Yeah. Get that, please. Okay. Get the picture. I'm going to put it on the screen. I just want you to see it and just react to it. Okay? Will you yeah. do that? Hmm? Oh, do my you, goodness. Do you see that? Aw. Huh? What a lovely... Do you see that picture? Yeah, so... Mm. Um, Not just guys, so. As some of you guys might That's my know. girlfriend. Don't just so her. <laughs> no. She's so, so beautiful. Oh, my goodness. As you guys know, last month we got married, and we had to skip her grooming appointment. Well, we didn't even make it because we weren't sure, you know, so... But, so, <laughs> she... No, she got her... She was groomed, like, a week before we got married, a week before we got married. So it's been a month since uh, Callie has been groomed. And she was a filthy, dirty, hairy, fluffy. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. She was a mess, right? And mm. so we, he took her in this morning to get groomed. And, I had to, yeah. And it's Valentine's Day tomorrow. Yes. So they did the whole Valentine's thing with her. And my goodness, are you going to put it up there? I am. Stand by. She's so cute. She's so cute. But she was so dirty. (laughs) I mean, because she's white, you know, and she rolls in everything. You take her outside. She's in the mud. She's in. She's rolling in. Ugh. She's just disgusting. I think she's a tomboy. Mm. Yes. Yeah. She is. She is. She's not very go. ladylike. So mm-hmm. this is a great photo of her. Yeah, here she is. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Oh, my goodness. Ladies and gentlemen. Oh, this is my Valentine. <laughs> Look at her. Oh, my uh, heart. Oh. My Valentine. What? I, and it, uh, please tell everybody I'm not faking. That, no. that we we love each other like it's almost like on a different planet type of level, right? Yeah. Isn't she awesome? Yeah. There's little Miss Callie. She looks beautiful today. Look at her. She looks beautiful. She did not look like that. Actually, if you took, oh, no. have you ever had like, she looked the equivalent of, have you ever had like really like clods of mud on your boots? Yeah. And you just can't get them off. Oh, you know, yeah. That's what she looked like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it was so disgusting. Uh, I mean, she was actually yeah. starting to mat just to get e- her fur was. Everybody, everybody can feel her right there. I know you can. She's one of the most beautiful souls on planet Earth, is she yeah, not? Yeah, she's adorable. She is. She's, she our, is. she's, our, she's our girl. Yeah, yeah. And there's these boys, uh, they're of the Spaniel family, and they're mm-hmm. like a block away. Mm-hmm. And she's, she's kind of slutty, and she walks up to there. <laughs> she walks up to the, 
the fence and she puts her her coach up against the fence for she, them. She really, truly does. And yeah. I'm like so embarrassed when she does that. Yeah, she's very, very slutty. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're, they're like older uh, spaniels. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, there's Callie Santilli. There she is. My goodness. Look at those jowls and the eyes. <laughs> Look at that. And her ears. Was she looking like a dirty mop? And her little yes, paws. Carl. Uh, yes, Carl Bent. Look at that. Carl Bent, she was. Is, is, uh, is Karen there? Karen? Huh? How about uh, Craig? Can he see that? I mean, and you know what? It's unbelievable, isn't it? She just turned two years old already. Yeah. She just turned yeah. two years old. All right. Uh, let me let me get to this because I'm going to play the, uh, after I get done with the, this very special segment. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it is a very special segment. Uh, today's top news headline. So, Deb, uh, before we break away here, I just, I want to detach you from what I'm about to do here. <laughs> yes, please. Mm-hmm. But, I, but I do want to say thanks, everybody, for joining us today. If you're listening to us on the replay, thank you for being there. And you can still hit that thumbs up button. Mm-hmm. It makes a huge difference. And, of course, donations are always appreciated. You guys uh, keep You know what's going even better than donations? You, you want to know what's even better than donations? What's that? I think you know that I'm sincere when I say this because there's such a great set of products. Mm-hmm. Is Bella Grace. Yeah, I mean. Go to pete.bellagraceglobal.com. It comes yeah. with a money-back guarantee. Get your elixir. Get the other ladies. Get the uh, skincare products that Deb Jordan. Fantastic! I've been using Deb them Jordan loves, along with loves, the elixir. Loves. Mm-hmm. I have to tell you, I have noticed a huge, huge difference yeah. in my skin. The skincare products—they yeah. have this face. They have this facial scrub, mm. clean cleanser, gentle cleanser. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love the way the serum. Um, you know, spreads out over your skin and and sinks, in, uh, sinks into your skin. It just leaves it so soft and lovely. So it, it it's just really top-notch products, ladies. I promise you, you will love it. Along with the elixir that you take, I put it in my yogurt, right? And it tastes really yummy and good. It's berry flavor. And uh, you guys will love it. The color of it is beautiful, too. It's this beautiful red color, Pete. Mm -hmm. It is. It's really nice. So um, make sure that you guys go to Bella Grace and do that. They just dropped it in the chat room over on Rumble. Thank you, Unc, very much for dropping that. And you guys, uh, you, again, you I'm going to say this. support us through supporting and, our sponsors. And yeah. thanks to Bella Grace. For and for, you know, the, 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 you know, it's not the majority of you, the, uh, the, the minority of you that say, oh, I can't afford it. You're not excluded either mm-hmm. because you can actually, it's uh, direct marketing. So you can actually get referrals by referring it. We've got people actually to call us and say, well, you know, I, I want to supplement my income. And I understand I can, you know, I can actually... Uh, get signed up to get paid on referrals. So you can actually pay for your products. Mm. For those of you that don't have the discretionary income to spend you know, money above and beyond. Yeah. The product's beneficial. It, it is, is miraculous really products. Three mm-hmm. miraculous ingredients combined, yeah. which is astaxanthin, right? Mm-hmm. Verisol collagen and cat's claw. Those yeah. three with Dr. Uh, Mark Miller. Um, 
and you know what? The sales are absolutely amazing right now because people are loving the products. They're loving the elixir. They're loving the skincare products mm-hmm. for men and women. Uh, people like me, it reduces inflammation like it did in my right ankle. I take mm-hmm. two packets every single day. It's mm-hmm. uh, vital for me uh, to be reproducing the collagen and taking care of my service-connected disability. Yeah. Okay, so, Deb. Good stuff. It's Deb, good stuff. Without further ado, we got a busy show right mm-hmm. now, uh, and this is what I'm going to do, okay? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. No. Uh, I don't know where that came from. No. Where'd that come from? Oh, okay. Fantastic. Yeah, we do cycles. Excellent. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. I mean, if somebody has... Has a desire for that? They can certainly do that. Yeah, uh, but you know, advertisers they'll come on, they'll drop yeah. off, they'll say have X amount then, of budget. Uh, yeah, a question was they, asked, right? And then they come yeah, back, and that's right. So we we run our uh, we run our sponsors in cycles. Mm-hmm. So that's well, why the cycle is based on their budget. Yeah, right. And then they it, it's just always been that way for 13 years. It's been that way. So Pete, right. take it away. Yeah. Um, I'll be here in the background. Don't ask me any questions. I'm not going <laughs> to ask you any questions. Uh, no. Uh, you know, cause it, you know what? She, it's not like she's detaching. Uh, it's just, she, she doesn't want to be named in a lawsuit when, <laughs> uh, Mr. You know, Steve Bannon and his, um, you know, his bucket of cash, Miles Guo, mm-hmm. say, oh, we're going to shut Pete Santilli down with some lawfare. To, you know what? Go ahead. Come on. Sue me. But don't sue uh, Deb, please. <laughs> I okay? don't have any money. Please don't do that. Uh, please don't do that. All right. Do you. So, so here it is. Uh, I'm going to present to you absolute proof uh, that Steve Bannon lied to help frame President Donald J. Trump, okay? Uh, And the word needs to get out. I need you to share this segment in particular um, with as many people as possible. As many people as possible because everybody, especially uh, War Room Posse members, have no clue what I'm about to uh, present, all right? And here's, here's the first thing I'm going to present. It's that Steve Bannon has sworn testimony before the executive session, the Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, the U.S. House of Representatives in D.C. on Tuesday, January 16th, 2018. Uh, now, I have the actual, just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you the full one, and then um, I'm going to zoom in. Where it counts. Oh, hold on a second. I don't want that. There we go. Uh, Let me zoom in here. All right. And show you uh, the actual legal documents. When I make such an allegation uh, that he's uh, basically, uh, he's been caught. uh, And he's legally uh, here uh, per the executive session. This is a 256-page document. Uh, This comes directly from uh, the government website, all right? It's an unclassified. This is one of the documents that was not uh, deleted, uh, of course, because it it certainly favors uh, the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence. Um, But uh, 
in those those pages here we have and let me zoom in on that too so you can you guys can read along with me all right and by the way if anybody uh disputes what i'm about to say if you get butt hurt because i, I i'm basically going to be uh taking your 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 favorite idol you know, all of you War Room Posse members, oh, my pizza until you're causing division. Now, I'm protecting uh, President Trump and Roger Stone, okay? Mr. Swalway, Swalwell asked on page 236 um, as follows. How many times did you talk to Roger Stone throughout your campaign? Mr. Bannon says, I don't remember ever talking to him at all, but I think I may have taken a call after I was first there. Uh, been one time, maybe saw a couple of emails, but it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't more extensive than a congratulatory call, right? And a couple of emails. So that's Mr. Swalwell. So we continue on uh, through the transcript to page 240. Here's Swalwell again. Did you ever talk to Roger Stone after the campaign? Mr. Bannon says, yes. Mr. Swalwell, how many times? And Bannon says, well, uh, that goes into the transition thing, so I can't on advice of counsel and the White House. I'm not going to talk about that. So, Mr. Bannon, uh, Mr. Swalwell says, have you talked to Roger Stone since you left the White House? Mr. Bannon says, yes. Mr. Swalwell, how many times? Bannon says, half a dozen. Swalwell says, have you talked to Roger Stone since you left the White House about the Russia investigation? And Mr. Bannon says, never. He named me uh, the top of the worst dressed list. And then it switches to Adam Schiff. All right. And again, let me tell you, this is testimony, ladies and gentlemen, from the Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, Tuesday, January 16th, 2018. Steve Bannon. And remember, there is an effort by the deep state to frame up President Trump and connect him uh, through, unfortunately, sadly, uh, the sacrificial lamb, uh, Roger Stone. But it's ultimately to frame President Trump. Okay. So here's what Mr. Shifty Schiff says. And did Mr. Stone ever discuss with you at the time or at any other time his communications with WikiLeaks? Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to repeat after me. Mr. Bannon says, no. Mr. Schiff. Or his communications with Julian Assange. Mr. Bannon says, no. Schiff says, never raised that with you? Mr. Bannon, what does he say? to the Senate, collect, uh, Senate Select Committee on Intelligence. Again, Senate Select Committee on Intelligence, Tuesday, January 16, 2018. Steve Bannon, under oath, sworn testimony. When asked by Shifty Schiff, have you spoken to Roger Stone about WikiLeaks or any communications? And what was said here? No, 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 right? How about his communications with Gussifer 2.0? No. Is that super clear? That that's what he said in 2018? Yes or no? You guys decide yourselves. All right. Now, uh, let's go to 
You ready? The Roger Stone jury trial, day number four, at 1.55 p.m. on November 8th, 2019. Okay? On November 8th, 2019. Per the transcript that I have in my possession right here, this is not, ladies and gentlemen, this is not conspiracy theory. This is not infighting. This is none of those things. Okay? These are just the facts that Steve Bannon, what you're about to see here, um, per the transcript from Roger Stone's trial, uh, and after seeing his testimony under oath to the Senate Select, Select Committee on, on Intelligence, here is the transcript, okay? It's a 76-page transcript that we will dig in deep. Okay, so... Uh, on page 848 um, of this transcript from the day, right? All right. What year did you meet Mr. Stone, if you remember? I think around 2011, 2012. Do you know what Mr. Stone does for a living? Yes, I think he's a political operative, political strategist, and an author. Now, before you joined the Trump campaign as its CEO on in August of 2016, how frequently were you communicating with Mr. Stone? Bannon says, I probably talked to Roger Stone every couple of weeks. Right? Now, before you joined the Trump campaign in August of 2016, did you ever hear Roger Stone discuss any connections that he had with Julian Assange or WikiLeaks? Ladies and gentlemen, everybody read this, okay? Everyone read this right there. What does that say right there? It says yes. What did he tell Shifty Schiff? He said no. But all of a sudden in Roger Stone's trial now to make that connection per the scumbags over at the deep state that are using Steve Bannon uh, as their little bitch or maybe he's just part of it anyway. He says yes. Where did you hear those statements from and how did you hear them? Oh, I think just in conversation. Did you hear them from public statements he made? Yes, from public statements. Did you also hear you said from conversations with him? And he says, oh, I believe so, yes. And these are conversations. Were these conversations you had directly with Mr. Stone? And Steve Bannon says, yes. And what did Mr. Stone, what if anything did Mr. Stone tell you before you joined the Trump campaign about his relationship or connection with Julian Assange? Bannon says just that they had a relationship with WikiLeaks and Julian Assange. Did Roger Stone ever tell you that he could obtain information from WikiLeaks through that relationship or connection? Bannon says never directly, but I think implied he had a relationship with WikiLeaks and with Julian Assange, but never directly told me that. What do you mean when you say the word implied? Well, that he had a relationship and uh, WikiLeaks was a site that was, you know, starting to release information or potentially release information. The attorney says, when Mr. Stone told you directly in conversations about his relationship or connection with Mr. Assange, approximately how far in advance of you joining the Trump campaign did those conversations occur? Steve Bannon says, I think sometime in the spring or summer of 2016. The attorney says, 
Would it have been a few months before you joined as CEO of the Trump campaign? Bannon says, as I remember, around there, sometime in the summer, late spring or summer of 2016, the attorney asked him, was Mr. Stone's relationship with Julian Assange something that he would frequently mention or talk about in your conversation with them? Bannon says, no, not frequently, no, but I think he would mention it, and he mentioned it a lot on or in the media, but not something that he would mention all the time. Like I said, we didn't talk that often. It was every couple of weeks or so. Now, so I want to be sure I'm clear on this. So you did have private conversations with Mr. Stone before you joined the Trump campaign, correct? See, Bannon says, before he, uh, before I joined. The attorney says, before you join the Trump campaign, correct? Yes, I would talk to Roger every couple of weeks. In those conversations, would he or would he not frequently mention his connections with Mr. Assange? And Steve Bannon again says, it was not frequently, but, you know, every now and again. So I knew it, but it wasn't frequently as I remember. Okay? Everyone getting a feel for where we're going here? Hmm? Everyone getting a feel that I have this scumbag locked down? He swore under oath to Shifty Schiff and said one thing. And here he is before Roger Stone's jury telling them and answering the attorney's questions, telling them something completely different. It was not frequently, but, you know, every now and again. So I knew it, but it wasn't frequently, as I remember, he says. And the attorney says, Mr. Bannon, this isn't the first time you testified in this case. Is that correct? The first time testifying in this case? Question? Yes, in this matter. You testified in the grand jury is... And Steve Bannon says, that's correct. I was compelled to testify. I was forced to testify at the grand jury, Steve Bannon says. So, ladies and gentlemen, we have him under oath to the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence. We have him under oath, swearing under penalty of perjury, perjury that his testimony was truthful and honest to Roger Stone's jury. He's on the stand. Now, Mr. Miranda. Uh, Roger Stone's attorney uh, asked the court, may I approach? The court, yes. I'm showing you uh, what has been marked a grand jury exhibit, number 209. If you look at the top page, is that your name? Yes, that's my name. The attorney says, do you remember testifying before the grand jury? Yes, I do. And was it on July 6th of 2017? Bannon says, I don't remember. Is there a date that appears on the front of the page? Yes, there is. What is that date? July 6, 2017. All right, there you go. Does that date sound like the time that, I'm sorry, January 18, 2019, my apologies. Did you testify on January 18, 2019? Bannon says, I have no idea. Does that sound correct? Yes. Now, there were prosecutors that were present there, correct? Bannon says, yes, there were. Andrew Goldstein, does that sound correct? Yes. And you were the witness that was there, correct? Yes. There was a court reporter that was taking down everything you said, correct? Yes, that's correct. Bannon says. And there were grand jurors there, isn't that right? Yes, that's correct. And Mr. Bannon, 
you took an oath. And the defendant, Mr. Stone, was not there. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. And Bannon again asked, you took an oath to tell the truth. Isn't that right? Yes, that's correct. And the prosecutor asked you a number of questions. Isn't that right, Mr. Bannon? Yes, that's correct. But before he asked you any questions, he advised you of your rights as a witness. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. All right. The attorney says, and he told you that if you fail to tell the truth before the grand jury, you could be charged with perjury. Isn't that right? Yes, that's correct. And the attorney says, and you told the grand jury that you understood that, right? Isn't that correct? Answer, yes, that's correct. And he says, I want you to turn to page seven if you can. All right, I'm on page seven, line 15, yes. So you were asked at page seven, line 15, and ladies and gentlemen, this is under oath with a legally certified transcript of the grand jury testimony. All right, this is what you're hearing now. So you were asked to page seven, line 15, and when you had private conversations with him about his connection to Julian Assange, approximately how far in advance of your joining the campaign did that conversation take place? And you responded, oh, I think the first time it was months before, but I think it was all the way led up to right before I joined the campaign. It was something he would, I think, frequently mention or talk about when we talked about other things. Sorry, let me repeat that because he also testified that it wasn't frequently. But to the grand jury, he said, oh, I think the first time it was months before, but I think all the way up to right before I joined the campaign, it was something he would, I think, frequently mention or talk about when he talked about other things. Did I read that correctly? Yes, that's correct. Says Steve Bannon. All right, now, in, in your conversations with Mr. Stone, did he ever brag to you about his connections to Assange? Steve Bannon said, I wouldn't call it brag bragging, but maybe boasting. I guess the difference between bragging and boasting, but he would mention it. The attorney says, what do you mean by boast? Bannon says that he had a relationship with WikiLeaks and Julian Assange. Attorney says, now, I want to discuss, I'm sorry. So you actually began working as CEO, CEO of the Trump campaign on August 14, 2016, correct? Yes. I would like to ask you some questions about other individuals you may have encountered while you were CEO of the campaign. First, Eric Trump. Sorry, Eric Prince. Eric Prince. Okay. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, again... Let me do a quick review, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong about this. And if this is not real transcripts of the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence, and it's not a certified, it's a, 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 a certified transcript from the court reporter from the jury trial, all right, we now have three entities where, where under oath Steve Bannon gave testimony to help the deep state in framing President Trump. And he lied to one of them. Can I, can I restate this again and you correct me if I'm wrong? And all of you War Room Posse members that get butt hurt because I'm, I'm, I'm basically 
uh, providing you with information that he lied in favor of the deep state to frame President Donald J. Trump at the expense of Roger Stone. You correct me if I'm wrong by stating the following, that Steve Bannon gave sworn testimony to one, the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence. Number two, the grand jury. Number three, Roger Stone's trial jury. Steve Bannon lied to one of the three and ultimately helped the deep state in framing President Donald J. Trump in the Russia collusion hoax. Is that true? Is that true? Could it be true that your favorite independent media guy over there, a former Navy intelligence guy, Steve Bannon, former Navy intelligence, deep state operative that got a deep state operative, no doubt about it, 1,000%, I'm going to certify Steve Bannon as this deep state operative that has gotten away with perjury for giving testimony that benefited the deep state in order to frame President Donald J. Trump. Does everybody understand what I just said? Repeat that in your head. Go back and rewind and listen to his own words spoken under oath to three different, well, two different entities, but three sworn testimonies. Are you butthurt? Do we want to hurt Mike Lindell? He sells a lot of pillows. We don't want to hurt Mike Lindell. Use promo code Pete or anything else. R promo code Stone. How about that? Because Steve Bannon, of course, uh, operated on behalf of the deep state to frame President Donald J. Trump at Roger Stone. Excuse me. Roger Stone's expense. <clears throat> Make sense? Well, if I call correctly, Trump pardoned Bannon. Why would he do that if Bannon harmed his friend Stone? Uh, because you know what? This stuff hasn't gotten out. This right here has not reached President Trump. I don't think it has. Bannon sells a lot of pillows. The War Room Posse does that, okay? And Bannon's got to keep that scam going. All of you War Room Posse members... Okay, stop buying pillows with Mike Lin, uh, with uh, Steve Bannon and buy them with Roger Stone or Alex Newman or there's a whole bunch of people out there. You can still get your pillows. We can still help Mike Lindell cut off that son of a bitch for his turning on the United States of America by helping the deep state frame. You, no, I, that's my opinion. Okay, he does not deserve anything. He, he deserves going to jail for committing perjury. Any one of you right now, if I read the same exact testimony and you swore under oath and you lied to any one of those three entities, you would go to jail. What does Steve Bannon here in, um, in our chat room, in our Rumble chat room, what does Steve Bannon deserve right now for committing perjury to one of the three entities? Roger Stone's jury trial, the, the jury, the grand jury itself, or the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence. What does he deserve? What would you get if you committed perjury, lying under oath at the highest levels of our U.S. government in the biggest, we're going to call it hoax now, the biggest investigation by the deep state? What would happen to you? 
And I don't want to hear anybody say, you're dividing. I am not here to unite. I'm here to bring fire, okay? I'm here to divide. I'm here to freaking burn the Pharisees' freaking temple of Baal down. Prison, that's right. Guess what? It gets worse, ladies and gentlemen. I have presented the worst. You want to hear something else? What, what would happen if a, a, either one of you, now, of course, uh, let's let's take a look at Steve Bannon's uh, track record now. Steve Bannon visited sex trafficker Jeffrey Epstein in New York and Paris and coached the pedophile for a 60 Minutes interview. If you were to ask any American that is politically astute who Steve Bannon really is, they would most likely refer to Bannon as an ardent supporter and advocate for President Trump. After all, Bannon hosts a major podcast called The War Room. Pandemic with Steve Bannon. With Steve Bannon. Now let's bring you Delmy Wolf and go off in the corner and diddle yourself to RFK Jr. Oh, Steve Bannon. Which is viewed by millions of conservative activists every single month who probably know very little about him and his actual history. Bannon routinely interviews top figures, of course, in the Trump movement. He's MAGA, MAGA, MAGA. He's Steve Bannon, Steve Bannon. Right? Is Bannon, in fact, an informant for the FBI? Ladies and gentlemen, we build a wall, $15 million scam scandal. In fact, Bannon was charged with stealing $15 million from Republican donors through his foundation, We Build a Wall. Bannon co-founded the organization with a man named Brian Colfage, who in April pleaded guilty to fraud charges for siphoning donations from the Bannon-led charity. So, ladies and gentlemen, not only do we have him working as a deep state operative, we now know that he's been charged. And Colfange has been convicted under the full pressure and force. We have basically Colfage, triple amputee, war hero, being connected to Steve Bannon. Of course, and Steve Bannon now involved in this $15 million scam of which he's been charged. But guess what? Bannon has clear ties to serial pedophile and rapist Jeffrey Epstein. The New York Post documented Bannon visiting sex trafficker and pedophile. There it is. Per the New York Post, Steve Bannon's trying to get on. Uh, let, hold on a second. Steve Bannon is trying to, trying to do something. Steve Bannon is trying to get on disgraced Jeffrey Epstein's good side. This is page six dot com of the New York Post. He shared a secret meeting with reviled billionaire pedophile Jeffrey Epstein at the financier's notorious Upper East Side mansion. Former White House Chief of Staff Bannon was spotted stepping out of his SUV, and entering the registered sex offender's sprawling 21,000-square-foot mansion. Epstein's palatial pad is one of the homes where young girls were allegedly brought to perform massages and used as sex slaves. Sources speculate that the disgraced Epstein wants to use his millions to work his way close to political power again. That was 
a dated article. But here it is. In an article published in The Guardian on Bannon's connection to Epstein, Bannon dismissed the debated, deba debated perp as part of a documentary that had been previously announced. While some of the clips of the documentary that Bannon made with the prolific sex trafficker Epstein have leaked and can be found on the internet, the reportedly uh, finished documentary allegedly engineered to rehabilitate Epstein's public image has, guess what? disappeared. Why would Steve Bannon be making a documentary with known pedophile child rapist and sex trafficker Jeffrey Epstein? Why is that, ladies and gentlemen? Mr. Documentary Filmmaker. Uh, Mr. Guess what? Uh, I worked with uh, Breitbart, who suddenly showed up dead. Hmm? Andrew Breitbart. Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon. Andrew Breitbart. Where did Breitbart go? What did Breitbart have in the safe? Over at Breitbart. And who actually knew what was in the safe? And was Steve Bannon there? And does Steve Bannon have all these multi-billionaires hanging out with him? Yeah, Eric Prince, right? A very rich family that was behind the Breitbart family. I'm not even going to mention their name because I don't know exactly what their involvement was. Yeah, they're very rich people. They just give lots of money, and we'll just leave it at that. I'm not going to disparage them because I'll get my ball suit off. But I won't get my ball suit off to tell you that Steve Bannon was at Breitbart. And Steve Bannon knows about what Andrew Breitbart had in the safe. And Andrew B. Barch mysteriously showed up. And the coroner mysteriously died. Mm -hmm. Isn't that interesting? And Steve Bannon all of a sudden shows up uh, selling tons of pillows on Real America's Voice with Steve Bannon. And nobody's ever disclosed what I disclosed right here. Everybody's afraid of this freaking puke. Everyone's afraid of him. I'm not. You know what I'm afraid of? I'm afraid that these Republicans are going to get away with this crap. That these so-called MAGA fake freaking skimmers, grifters. I'm going to put the word out to Mike Lindell. You know what? You should pull his promo code just with what I presented. Pull his promo code. Swap it out with promo code Pete. I'll take care of it. We're going to support Mike Lindell. I don't want Mike Lindell to be hurt. Do not use Steve Bannon, okay, for anything related to MAGA because he is not MAGA. He is a saboteur, in my opinion, and in my pretty well-informed opinion, he is a perjurer and an Epstein lackey that never gets held accountable. Miraculous. No? Why are you shaking your head? What? You'll be back. Don't shake your head at me. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That was uh, our uh, our janitor. President Trump fired Bannon from his White House position in 2017 and released the following statement, ladies and gentlemen. Steve Bannon has nothing to do with me or my presidency. When he was fired, he not only lost his job, he lost his mind. Steve was a staffer who worked for me after I had already run, won the nomination by defeating 17 candidates, often described as the most talented field ever assembled in the Republican Party. 
Now that he's on his own, Steve is learning that winning isn't easy as I make it look. Steve had very little to do with our historic victory, which was delivered by the forgotten men and women of this country. Yet Steve had everything to do with the loss of a Senate seat in Alabama held for more than 30 years by Republicans. Steve doesn't represent my base. He's only in it for himself. Steve pretends to be at war with the media, which he calls the opposition party. Yet he spent his time at the White House leaking false information to the media to make himself seem far more important than he was. It was the only thing he does well. Steve was rarely in a one-on-one -on -one meeting with me and only pretends to have had influence to few, uh, fool a few people with no access and no clue whom he helped write phony books. Ladies and gentlemen, tie it all in together. Because Steve Bannon, per the New York Post, okay, right now, is known to have flip-flopped on Roger Stone's WikiLeaks connection under oath. This is per the New York Post, all right? Steve Bannon uh, here on ABC News. Where is he? Prosecutors rebut ex-Trump advisor Steve Bannon's attempt to dismiss his fraud charges. Bannon is accused of defrauding donors to the We Build a Wall campaign. Isn't it amazing that both Steve Bannon, uh, 15 million, of course, Naomi Wolf at a smaller level connected to, admittedly, in her own words, to an entity that allegedly diverted $500,000 from MAGA supporters, right? For the pilots, Naomi Wolf, Steve Bannon, both of them connected, both under criminal investigation. Allegedly. Supposedly. And who suffers through all of that crap? The War Room Posse, don't they? War Room Posse, leave, go. Come over to LFA TV, okay? You got Roger Stone over here. Oh, that's that's amazing. I don't even huh? I have not spoken to Roger Stone about this presentation right here. We're both on LFA TV. You've got plenty over at LFA TV. And trust me, we at LFA TV know what goes on over at Real America's Voice, especially with Steve Bannon leading the charge. Anybody that tunes into that crap, what's Charlie Kirk doing over there, too? What's he pushing? Hmm? What's Charlie Kirk doing? What's he doing? Following all of Tory's bot accounts? Oh, I understand that's true. Hmm? Tory Tart. What do they got going on over there at Real America's Voice with all these hosts? Uh, visiting Epstein, uh, lying to, you know, uh, the, you know, on behalf of the deep state to frame President Donald J. Trump. What are they doing over there at Real America's Voice? Are they, they going to sue me, too? I've, I have questions. I'm a reporter. I want to know. We want to know what's happening with Charlie Kirk. Okay? We want to know, why is Charlie Kirk following 
known CIA contractor, Tori Tard, and all of her famous little bots. How's that happening? I don't know how that happens, but that's what I was told, and therefore I believe it. What's going on at Real America's Voice with selling all those pillows with the War Room code only to take the minds of the War Room posse and send them to Naomi Wolf's little RFK Jr. fundraising campaigns? What's going on over there? Huh? You guys like the next Fox News? Take everyone's brain. Are you going to call the next election there? Real America's Voice is going to be next to call Arizona. As a matter of fact, hold on a second. Breaking news. Real America's Voice is called 2024 for Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. That's what we can expect from that fake news outlet. Huh? Why don't you fire Steve Bannon for committing perjury and trying to frame President Donald J. Trump? Hmm? Pastor Daryl Scott, why don't you see if you can present this to Real America's Voice and see if they forego all the money that's flowing over there to Steve Bannon. See if they'll give it up. No, they're addicted to that money. All that pillow money, right? Millions and millions of dollars going to Real America's Voice. They won't fire them. They'll let somebody perjure themselves on behalf of the deep state to help President Trump. And guess what, Real America's Voice? Thank God we have LFA TV to fill the freaking hole once you're pushed into the pit. You disgusting, filthy freaking Republicans. J.D. Vance has got you exposed. I like J.D. Vance right here. I just sent the below memo to every one of my Republican colleagues in Congress. Buried in the bill's text is an impeachment time bomb for the next Trump presidency if he tries to stop funding the war in the Ukraine. Look at this. It's the Republicans, ladies and gentlemen, that are the greatest threat to quote-unquote democracy, okay, or our constitutional republic. We've been infiltrated I'm not going to unite with anybody that sabotages our way of life. So help me God. I will be back right after this. I'm going to go get a drink of water and think about what I just said. And I want you to, as well, think about this right here. If I'm wrong, okay, I'll make a public admission. If I'm wrong about everything that I just read to you, I'll issue a public apology to everyone, including, I mean, it's so sad that, that Mike Lindell has so much money wrapped up in this piece of shit. So sad. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back with an epic, epic interview. Wait, wait until you hear this interview. You're going to be blown away about what's going on at the temple. And I'm also going to show you a picture of a replica of the Ark of the Covenant that President Trump has at Mar-a-Lago right after this. Don't go away. See, which will bring with it programmable money and the ability to turn on or off your purchasing power. Don't shake your head. Why were you shaking your head? Hey, you love Roger Stone? Yeah. Okay, good.
Retail, delivering a value product that is so different from anybody else, more effective, shareable, really tasty. All of these attributes are classic examples of true innovation. It's the most effective product I've seen in 30 years. So when we're stepping outside into seasonal changes, low humidity, sunlight, pollution, all of these things get communicated as stress on the top layer of skin that produces free radicals. And they're bad news for collagen networks. They're going to break down the collagen network and collapse that beautiful uh, tensile strength of your skin. And so that's how we end up with fine lines and wrinkles. Bella Grace is really an elevated formula. Bella Grace is better than the competition for very obvious reasons. First of all, we're delivering great collagen. We're delivering Verisol, which is the world's most studied form of collagen. So we're starting at a foundation that's really top notch. So to protect your collagen against these kinds of assaults, what you really want is a nutrient that's going to specifically go to the skin, neutralize free radicals and do it really well, protect membranes and also have some anti-inflammatory properties to help dampen the signaling that really turns up expression of those scissor enzymes. And natural astaxanthin in the Bella Grace Elixir is able to do all of those things. Every day you would have to eat six fillets of wild king salmon in order to get three milligrams of natural astaxanthin found in Bella Grace's elixir. But there's two other elements that we focus in on with our other key ingredients that are in the elixir, and that is astaxanthin and cat's claw. And the value of adding those two elements, in addition to the collagen, is centered on the formation of collagen in skin. So you activate all the processes that string the peptides and amino acids together. You're generating healthy, productive collagen. At the same time, you're also turning off the damaging pathways that break up collagen. So unless you take into account those components that optimize the process to make collagen and switch off the processes that destroy collagen, you're really missing the big picture. It's not enough to just consume the collagen. You have to link it all up and protect it. That's what Bella Grace does. So the elixir, is really the perfect choice. It's shareable in a single unit. You get the right dose, so you're getting the correct benefits that match the clinical trials. And it also gave us the opportunity to have a great flavor. It's just yummy. screen here without too much fanfare because I'm almost sick to my stomach. We love Roger Stone and I, I literally just thought about if for years I watched this man just 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 go through the grind millions of dollars in legal fees millions and Steve Bannon goes to his jury trial and uh, basically helps to convict him. Ultimately, through Roger Stone, 
Uh, I, I mean, obviously, painting a picture, helping the deep state frame President Donald J. Trump for connections to Julian Assange and WikiLeaks, and it was all a freaking hoax. And Steve Bannon did that to our friend Roger Stone. So sad. Nydia, you know, um, suffering through cancer and on top of that. I mean, that family's been through hell, and nobody has stepped forward to go against the darling of independent media. Now, again, I'm going to overemphasize this point. So in the spirit of making sure that we don't harm any of the sales, going to Mike Lindell, um, I, I, I do not believe that somebody that worked for the deep state and lied and committed perjury and met with Epstein has never been held accountable does not deserve the eyeballs and ears of anyone uh, in the America First movement that supports President Donald J. Trump, period. Now, if that is financially damaging, uh, so be it. It's not my fault. I didn't lie under oath. I didn't go to Epstein's. And if I did, I would expect you to never tune in to me ever again. So I want to encourage... Real America's voice to not be economically harmed by anything I said. Fire that freaking bastard and go hire somebody else that's got more integrity. If you're really an America first news media outlet, Pastor Daryl Scott, put him in Steve Bannon's slot. You'll get a lot, lot more honesty out of Pastor Daryl Scott. He'll do a great job. He'll be able to hold on to the America First movement. He won't let Naomi Wolf come on and start pushing you to RFK Jr. So, I want them to recover from this. Fire Steve Bannon, or you guys are just another Fox News. And, and you might as well just call Arizona early. That's it. I'm, I'm, I'm physically ill. Just thinking about this thing. And no, 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 no. Don't say, oh, you're dividing. You know, oh, yeah, of course I am. I'm dividing. We need to separate from this pack of scumbags. Absolutely. Now, let's unite. In the name of Jesus Christ, of course. Just know that the Holy, Holy Land in Israel, Holy Land of Israel. There's been some preparatory work in the Holy Land of Israel. That it has been said that Hamas came over the border on October 7th because they were aware of all of the preparatory work for the third temple to what they claim to be is their, one of their most holy sites, probably not even among the top 10. That's fake news. Um, this is an attack upon Christianity. This interview that you're about to hear is the most important interview I've done in thousands of episodes. Thousands, thousands, thousands all of them. This is the most important interview I've ever done. And I'm going to share it with you. Deb knows how important it was to me. It'll be important to you as well when you hear from Byron Stinson. Here he is without further ado. Enjoy. All right, ready. My next guest, Byron Stinson. 
uh, is a servant of the Lord dedicated to the unification of Jewish fathers of faith with Christians worldwide. He's also part of the Red Heifer Project, powered by Bonet Israel. He helped inspect the five red heifers, heifers that were delivered to Israel. Uh, does it matter to you? I say, question mark, or you say, ah, you know, interesting story, red heifers, what's that all about? Uh, you need to know who it matters to. And I, I think we've heard recently uh, that Hamas is concerned about uh, the heifers and the biblical implications, and they're wanting to stop what is going on at the third temple that Israel's been working on. A lot to talk about and unpack, but sir, welcome back, uh, Byron Stinson, for the second visit here on the Pete Santilli Show. Uh, last time I spoke with you, uh, we, we had a great conversation, which we will today to get everybody educated. And then October 7th happened, and everybody thinks that it was just some sort of an incursion. I mean, this is of biblical proportions, what happened on October 7th. And the forces that, uh, even on the other side, uh, you know, Israeli intelligence, failures, and things like that, so many things to unpack there. But ultimately, they're certainly concerned with what's going on at the Temple Mount, aren't they? Absolutely. The Temple Mountain really becomes down to the epicenter Pete, of uh, everything that's going on actually in the spiritual realm and also now becoming more and more of the physical realm. It's at the epicenter of uh, the conflict between good and evil, between right and wrong. And uh, as it turns out that the Lord is using that focus to help us all see that uh, it's time. It's time for us to focus in on this God of Abraham that that claims, he claims that he created the universe and all life as we can see it, and that he wants to be honored on that holy mountain. And here we are at this time, and sure enough, it is the uh, it's the object of the press. It's the object of what's going on in the world. So it's you know, pretty amazing that we've reached this time. If, if you don't mind... Um... You know, I don't, not to dumb it down at all. I want to be welcoming to, you know, to anybody. I always say to, to everybody, uh, I'm unapologetic. I, I made the Lord a promise that, you know, way back when he brought me a miracle. And I said, if you do, Lord, I said, I, I will tell the entire world where that came from. And, and I do so unapologetically. And I tell people, you know, okay, so I'm all about Jesus Christ and you may not be, but that's okay. You're never going to be harmed by it. So hang out, you know, hang out with us and some good things will come about. And then one day, eventually, you'll, you know, the light will come on for everybody. And I believe there's a great opportunity for a revival uh, as people see uh, the miracles come. And uh, we're preparing for, for his coming, period. That, that is a fact. We have to occupy until he comes, right? Um, Talk about the preparatory work that we must do, that we're, first of all, commanded to do while we're here on earth, uh, to live by the Holy Scriptures. But talk about the, you know, the temple that is being prepared, why that's important, why all, you know, all Christians need to be uh, in tune with what's going on on the, on the Temple Mount. So, you know, the first temple was built by Solomon at 1000 B.C., and uh, it was put precisely on the Temple Mountain. We can know for sure that's the place because 
there's been a lot of archaeological work done there on the Temple Mountain, really starting around the year 2002 to 2003, and now full excavations on the Temple Mountain that prove to us where the uh, Temple of Solomon stood later on uh, after an exile of the Jewish kings that had been emasculated, cut off, with Nebuchadnezzar trying to stop that line of the kings from ever being the, uh, the rulers of the earth. Then uh, we see Ezra and Nehemiah were able to go back to that same Temple Mountain, start trying to rebuild that temple with lots of warfare and things going on, kind of like today. And then we see Herod come in and he makes this temple way bigger, larger. One thing that I think the church is very confused about is Herod, we called him Herod the Great, and he was a great builder, but he was against the house of Judah. He was anti-Christ. And so he had control of that temple at the time that we see Jesus come to that temple and uh, clean it out and, and cause a lot of commotion there at that time. At that time, the house of Judah was wanting to see this temple be honored across the world. But instead, it, uh, there was a prophecy that they would be scattered into the nations. But then in the last days, return to the land of Israel. And then we see in the book of Micah 4 that in the last days, people will stream from all over the world to this holy mountain of God. And they'll come to see the temple of Jacob, which Jacob means Israel. And so they'll come to the, the holy mountain of God to see the temple of Jacob. And there in the last days, he will uh, rule between the nations of the earth, bringing peace to the earth so that no one anywhere needs to be afraid anymore that uh, all of the turmoil that has happened because of the kingdoms of mankind, because of the effort of man trying to form a, a one world government under man's leadership finally falls apart. And there's a kingdom of God that's a kingdom of peace for a thousand years. We missed a lot of that in our Christian uh, teachings. Uh, but the fathers of our faith, the Jewish fathers, they know this is what's supposed to happen there. And they know the first step towards that to bring that about is this spiritual uplifting that happens with the Numbers 19 uh, Red Heifer Ceremony that's supposed to take place at the Holy Mountain of God. And then from the Numbers 19 ceremony, then the Jewish fathers of faith can be pure enough to be able to actually uh, construct a temple. And that's why Hamas is, they understand this is a battle between uh, their Allah and the God of Abraham. And uh, that's why they want to hold on to the Temple Mountain and stop the coming of the peace that, and, the, and, the, and the safety that's promised through this kingdom of God. And so this is why, you know, the, the, the ceremony is about opening eyes to the importance of the Temple Mountain and helping Christians worldwide realize we're part of that promise. We're part of what the Jewish fathers of faith are, are trying to do and are going to do in these last days to bring about this temple. And the temple, by the way, most Christians think, well, that's a Jewish temple, just like they think that's a Jewish um, holiday or that's a whatever, you know, they put that, uh, that, that title on it. But actually that's God's people's temple. So that means that what the Jewish fathers of faith want to build is they want to build a house of prayer for all nations. 
And they don't want Christians to become Jews. They're not trying to do what Christians tried to force Jews to become Christians for 2,000 years, even at the cost of death, even at the cost of taking them to burn them at stakes. But that's not, and we would think that's what the Jewish people would want to do if they have control uh, in this great government that's that's foretold to be to come about. But that's not what they desire. They desire for Christians to be able to operate within their religion of Christianity, and uh, Muslims to be operate within their their religion of, of being a Muslim, and for Jews to be able to operate within their Judaism, and for us to stop tr killing each other to bring safety and peace to each other at this house of prayer for all people on the mountain, on the holy mountain of God, where the Father, the the God of Abraham said, "I want to be honored on this particular mountain." So this is the temple that is going to be built. Yes. And along with that, uh, can you speak of the preparatory work? Because it is fascinating to me. Uh, the absolute precision and craftsmanship, the amount of time it takes uh, for the craftsman to prepare uh, the, uh, the what, what do they refer to them as, as the, uh, there's a word, it's uh, vessels, but sacred vessels or vestments, I'm sorry, the vestments, so, right? Correct? Yeah. So there is so much that, that has to go into this. Yes. One of the things that's most astounding is there has to be some young priests that are from the age of 14 to 18 that are as pure as they can be. And by pure, what that means is you're far, far away from death. And to be far away from death, you can't be close to it. So these young priests that are at that age and prepared for this work can never be uh, in a hospital because there's death in hospital. They can't even be born in a hospital. And they can't, be, uh, can't spend their time walking on the ground. They can't walk on the ground because underneath their feet might be a dead bone that's within nine arm lengths, it's called. They might be within that under the ground and that would be too close to death. So they're raised in the upper room, a room above where there would be any form of death. They don't go to the cemetery. And so they've been kept pure and ready for this one particular ceremony. Mm -hmm. That's how much that that you have to be prepared. And, and the Jewish fathers of faith have that. And they have to have the cedars of Lebanon, and they have that. They have to have the particular hyssop, and they have that. They have to have a scarlet worm, yep. and the of course the the red heifer has to be there. There's so many places have to. Everything's got to be put in place for this ceremony to happen, and it's all there today, including the piece of land that has to be exactly perfect. The piece of land, absolutely perfect. And let me give everybody an example because most people don't. They just don't know this, and I didn't know this until I was introduced to it when I started looking into how important the red heifers are. Just as an example, um, the wine libation cup, just crafting the wine libation cup and what it is to do. Just one of many of these sacred vessels that are produced. The wine libation cup is placed at the southwestern corner of the altar. The vessel receives the wine being poured from the wine libation flask. It contains a small spout through which the wine trickles down the side of the altar. And there's an illustration. We'll put that up on the screen. That's just one of many. And there's another thing. Now I'm going to jump forward. And this is significant. And when we put this out, I'm going to tell you, people are going to be very fascinated by what I'm about to say. 
a replica of the Ark of the Covenant. And when we say replica, we're talking about a replica that was designed, I think it was like 2,700 hours, pounds of gold, and it was offered to President Donald J. Trump. And that replica is pictured at Mar-a-Lago, a replica of it. Now, will that replica be one of those vessels? I don't know, but isn't it fascinating how a replica of the Ark of the Covenant is at Mar-a-Lago. Is that a significant thing? Oh, I would like to have a replica even somewhat close to it just because of its uh, biblical importance and significance. But that is an important thing for President Trump to have that or to have it presented to him from, uh, from Israel, from the nation of Israel or those that are running the government. Don't you agree? Oh, absolutely. And you know, truthfully, Pete, just, just to tell you that uh, God wants the world to understand that he really is in control. So, you know, it can be a replica, and that may be exactly what we have, and we and that's already there. There's a couple of them already. Right. Uh, and so it's just amazing that those are available. But I'm just going to tell you, after watching all this, you see, God says he's going to furnish all the gold and all the silver, and these things are coming from, uh, it's just amazing. The Lord included me to be involved in this. And so what happened was uh, about a year and a half ago, September, not this last September, but September before, we were approached at Bonet, Israel, by the, the government of Papua New Guinea mm. to uh, help them establish an embassy in Jerusalem. So we worked with them over a year, and that was established just before this horrible event in October that happened in Israel. Yes. And in September of this last year, we we helped with our help with Bonet Israel. The uh, Papua New Guinea was the fifth uh, country to have an embassy in Jerusalem. Mm. And at at the uh, at the ceremony, the Prime Minister of Papua New Guinea turned to Rabbi Itzhak Mamo. Who did the groundwork? Who made trips to Papua New Guinea? Who put everything together? He said, "You know, we uh, have a tradition in Papua New Guinea that we actually are Ophir. That we are the country where the gold was first delivered to Solomon, not only from Sheba but also from Ophir. And we know that we furnished the first gold, and it is our." duty and we're ready to furnish the gold for this temple now mm -hmm. so please bring people and help us get the gold and bring it to the temple yes and uh all of the the, the sacred uh vessels and vestments are are basically the utensils in preparation for the sacrifice of the pure red heifer correct yeah, the uh, you know from from the time that Israel came back to the land, they've had many organizations. The one I work closest, of course, the one that Bonet works closest with, is the Temple Mountain Institute. And the Temple Mountain Institute had many of these vessels all prepared. Right. The piece they were missing, the two pieces, was the red cow. Right. And then they were missing the the piece of land. And so when we came together, we explained, well, you know, 13 years ago, by divine order, the land was offered to us, the exact piece of land. You see, the land is on the Mount of Olives is where you must take care of the, where this uh, ceremony happens. And it can't be just anywhere on the Mount of Olives. It has to be pretty much due east of where the Holy of Holies would be, where you could see 
into the holy holy place from the Mount of Olives. It has to be at the exact elevation, which the Mount of Olives is going straight up. So to hit a piece of land at the exact elevation is very limited where it would be. So those two things have to come together. And that was exactly what we were given 13 years ago. And, and so now we have this piece of land that's the perfect land. And then the rabbis uh, in Judah, the, from the tribe of Judah, have been trying to develop their own red heifer for many, many years, and they always fails. And on a closer reading of Numbers 19, it says, Say unto Israel, bring us a red heifer. And lots of, uh, lots of Christians don't really understand the difference between Israel and Judah. Judah, uh, Israel, went into the nations at 720 B.C. The Assyrians captured them as prophesied, and they were then scattered all across the earth. They're like a drop of blue dye mixed in the Christians worldwide, and they're, they're amongst us. They're everywhere in every nation, in every tribe and tongue. And the Bible even says that no one could keep up with them but God himself. Not even DNA can keep up with how Israel was scattered amongst the nations of the earth. And so it's unbelievable, but the tribe of Judah, now they stayed a people group, and then they stayed together until the Holocaust. And then because of the, the Holocaust and all those things around it, they were brought back to the land as a people group and have been there growing up, getting stronger and stronger, becoming a nuclear power and become this strong nation. And now comes a time for Israel scattered amongst the nations to be gathered back and connected to Judah. These tribes must become one tribe again. That's what the promise and the prophecy of the Bible is that we will be connected. And that's my primary focus in, is to let the church know that we are, we, are con we are to be connected as one family, as one tree grafted into the natural olive tree so that we can do this together, that we can honor the father of uh, the, the God of Abraham together and see the covenant that was uh, given in, by, be, between Abraham and Father God, that if he would travel to this particular land, then God would give him that land. And so we still have not seen that fulfilled, but it is in the process of happening right before our eyes at this time. We can see that Judah is coming to their full power and going to be able to take the land that God had said from to Joshua at the beginning that they are to take this land. It's not over. God's promise and covenant is about to be fulfilled right in front of the eyes of the entire world, helping us all understand how we work, knit together, work together, and then we bless all the nations of the earth. This is our, this is our duty, is to love and care and bless everyone that wants to be part of this great promise of God. And uh, to, of course, we're commanded to occupy until he comes, but ultimately all the preparation is for his coming, correct? Amen. Every last thing is oh. about the coming of the Messiah. I literally just got the goosebumps on that one, just the way I said that, because, I mean, everybody needs to look forward to that moment, and I really, really do. There's going to be those, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, uh, add, right. add to what I'm about to say. There's nothing that can stop it. There is no, um, no. you know, like when Hamas or, or those that are on the other side, you know, the Antichrist can't even stop what is no. coming, obviously, no. and the Antichrist will be involved. But 
Nothing can stop what is coming. This preparatory work, you know, that you were involved in. There was a day, you said 13 years ago, the land was, yeah. was given. And since then, the preparatory work has been done to prepare these priestly garments with absolute precision. Per the yeah. Bible, the craftsmen have been assembled. The red heifer uh, has been produced. It exists. Everything is set and ready to go. Yes, sir. Is that correct? Yes, sir. That's right. And what the, what the church uh, scattered worldwide, I hear a lot of fear about the Antichrist. I'm glad you brought that up. Mm -hmm. The Antichrist. The thing is, uh, we have to have him come to the front. Mm -hmm. He's not been fully identified yet. He's the same spirit that was in uh, evil people, uh, Antioch Epiphanes, and he was in... Uh, he was in Hitler, and this same spirit has been in many different men through time. But in the fullness of that, we will see him as the Antichrist, as a human, but the king of evil will be within him trying to rule over and stop this thing. Now, we know that's a hard time for the Christians worldwide. We yes. know that there will be a mark of the beast that will come and then some will take that and they'll be forever damned if they take that. So it's now's the time for the church to realize uh, whether it happens with this particular red heifer and at this time when everything is ready or that it would happen 100 years from now, he has to come before the Messiah comes. The Messiah comes to put him down and to win the war of good and evil. So he has to come. And, and for me as a Christian that knows he's coming, I have to start preparing myself. It may not be a, uh, easy from the sense of what we've been used to to this point. But the good thing is there's this promise, Pete, and we need to know it. The promise is that as evil becomes more and more powerful, and you can see that it, is, it is very powerful in the land and, and government, government and politics. It is. But the, the promise is in the last days, a greater outpouring of the Spirit of God will go out upon the earth, and it will be the greatest day for all of those that love the Lord, for all of those that are His. We will be empowered and we'll be able to make it. The birds of the air... They, they get fed, the lilies of the fields, they look beautiful, they have clothes to wear. We'll have enough, and we'll have the power of the Holy Spirit within us, guiding us, helping us, and preparing for the coming of the King, the Messiah. So we'll understand more of that as this goes out, but I yes. think that's coming. I think this power on the earth is coming soon. And collectively, our souls, if we stand with, with God... Uh, there are no things that they can take from us. They cannot take our wealth and cause us to stand down and, and, and side with them. They, they can't offer us that opportunity that you take this number and you can transact. And if you want to coexist with us, you must accept this thing. No, you know what we need to do? For every bit of tyranny that comes upon us, it's all satanically rooted. We resist with an overwhelming force in opposition to it. We know what it is when it comes at us. For each of those things, either government tyranny or them wanting us to worship their God of the government, the God of the environment, and all those things, and perverting everything sacred as to his creation, we're to put every single one of those things down. And if we just stand with our souls and our loyalty and faith to God, it's all we need. Amen. And at the end of the day, I think the most important thing of all for every believer is to know there will be a time 
when the book of, of life, the book of the living is opened, and that's at the end of a thousand year millennial reign, but there comes a time when your name will be written in the book. And some will go to great, there will be many martyrs. That's part of it. And there already has been for that matter. Look at the Christians worldwide uh, in Africa and Saudi, uh, in the Arab states that have already been murdered by ISIS. And uh, look at our, our Jewish fathers of the faith, those children that were just murdered out in the fields and those people living innocent down there in the Negev. You know, these are God's chosen people family, these people that we're grafted into. And so there are martyrs and some of us will be martyrs, but we'll also some of us will be raised up to be powerful during that time and give a message of hope that will bring in thousands into the harvest. The harvest of God is upon us and all of us that know him need to be prepared and praying for greater power and greater sealing of the Holy Spirit within us. So we're prepared for that day. Yes, sir. Now, uh, remember the Israeli-Hamas war in the beginning, then there was a ceasefire called. I mean, there's always been those huge conflicts since Israel's inception, okay? But we Christians are too. You know, of course, those that bless Israel shall be blessed. We need to stick with that. That's the side that we're on is to bless the Holy Land. And, sir, when you started going to Israel, uh, what year What year was that when you started going there? My first trip was in 2000. That's when it is October 2000 and the Intifada had just started. Wow. And the right. war was on even as I went the first time. But then uh, in 2007 is when things really started exploding in my life. Uh, we started a foundation to help take pastors and, and church leaders to Israel to learn about the archaeology, to learn about the city of David, the proof of the holy mountain, uh, where the true fields of Bethlehem are, which is in Micah 5, says, Blessed are you, Bethlehem, Ephratah. And Ephratah means the fruitful place, which means the place of harvest, the place of the wheat and the barley, which is down the fields of Bethlehem, not up on the top of a mountain of Bethlehem. So it, through that, we... Oh. Lost your audio. Hold on one second. You know, since you, when you first started going, you said 2000, you arrived there. Since then, I mean, you've, you've seen major conflicts and war it's very dangerous to go there during those conflicts i mean the first you know hamas war and these incursions upon them and then of course most recently you know with hamas coming over october 7th uh, talk about how significant that was and and most people don't know what drove hamas to cross over into israel and what the results were now but it was very dangerous when he first started going right well, so the, the media would have you think it was extremely dangerous, but I will tell you uh, that the danger level is much lower than what the media would have Americans think. Uh, they try to scare us from being over there and connecting in the land, but uh, because I have a home there and I spend almost half my time in Israel, I'm much more aware of the true level. I can tell you, Pete, that the children of Israel are safe and they're, they're as far as pedophiles and all the things we have to deal with here in the United States, 
that kind of that kind of problem is just not there. There are people, and it's a small minority amongst the Muslims that want to that train their children to come and hate and want to kill Jews. But it's not the majority of the Muslims. It's a small faction that has to be dealt with. So, it, it, because Gaza was turned over to the Palestinian Authority in 2006, what happened was uh, real quickly afterwards. Hamas came in and they started shooting the Palestinian Authority leaders and they quickly ran away from Gaza and Hamas had an election where they won 100% of the vote because if you didn't vote for them, you were a dead man. So that's how they became the leaders. And then, unfortunately, we had groups like UNRWA and others and uh, tunnel systems that allowed these uh, rocket components to start being shipped in from Iran and other areas like that. And they would build up uh, big supplies of rockets and then they would attack. So in 2014, from my apartment in Jerusalem, I watched seven, eight thousand rockets explode in the air. But during that time, I think there were like 60 people injured, none of them by rockets, but just by people kind of running to get into a shelter and maybe slip and fall, hurt themselves like that. There was even at 2014, and this didn't get in the American press, but or the world press, but it certainly was all over Israel. They had a long-range rocket that was shot from Gaza to Tel Aviv. Now, because the Iron Dome is so effective, 99%, they shoot a, a interceptive rocket to knock this big rocket down that's headed for Tel Aviv, and they missed it. But no problem, there's a second battery of Iron Dome, so they shoot a second time at this rocket and they miss it a second time. So 99% miss, 99% miss again, and now the rocket's gonna hit in Tel Aviv. As they start alerting as fast as they can, they start alerting everyone they can in Tel Aviv that there's gonna be a rocket, they're gonna need the hospitals ready, everybody's gonna, this is gonna be bad. And what everyone in Israel heard in 2014 is right then, out of nowhere, a huge wind came down off the mountains from Jerusalem and hit that rocket, turned it out to sea, and it exploded harmlessly 10 miles out at sea. Really? Wow. And I, yes, I promise you that happened. And you want to know why Israel was a little was lulled to sleep and, and was not expecting to uh, have any problem in October this last year is because they had become very accustomed to the power of the government, the Iron Dome, the defenses, the uh, miracles of God to protect them. And here's here's what happened in my heart. This is Byron Stinson. But much like uh, much like when we go back in time in the United States, we were very, very divided during World War Two. We could not decide if we wanted to go in and and fight for the freedom of the Jewish people that were being put to death and stop Hitler. And God raised his hand of protection off of the United States for a moment called Pearl Harbor. And when that happened, we became a unified nation, strong and powerful, and then we went in and we put to death Hitler and we and we freed the remnant of Israel to go back home to the land just as prophesied. Mm -hmm. And so what happened in October this last year is God raised his hand of protection for a moment so that Israel there in the land Judah 
could say, you know, we have to turn to this God. We, we have to go before him and we have to stop being divided. We have to be unified. So today the whole nation's unified. And now, Pete, something I like to tell people is there's a saying that there are no atheists in a foxhole. No. Okay, so what's happened is 300,000 men were called up out of their regular jobs to put on uniforms and go down on the borders of Israel and fight for the land and fight for their people. And they're all studying the Torah. They're all looking in closely at their God. They're all praying for forgiveness for this time when they've fallen away from him. And there is a true revival amongst the people of Judah, the fathers of faith, to come back to their roots and believe that now is the time to accomplish everything that God has in place. And I think that is going to lead to the power and the, the authority to go ahead and see the Temple Mountain uh, establishes a place for all people from all worlds to pray. I mean, why is it not right that all people, Christians, Jews, Muslims, everyone should be able to pray on the mountain that God pointed out he wanted to be honored there? They say it's the third holiest place for the Muslims. I don't believe that. I think it would be the 10th holiest or maybe not holy at all. I mean, the way they treat it is really not holy. But it needs to be treated holy by all the people of the earth that love the God of Abraham. And I think that's what's coming out of this whole thing, yes. God preparing the land so that he can uh, show the world who he is at this time. You know, uh, I'm going to please uh, pardon me if I get yes. this wrong in my analysis. So I'm, I'm going to if I state it, something authoritatively, just put a question mark at the end of it. All right. So correct me if I'm wrong. Sure. Because we must know who the other side is and what they're fighting for. Hamas, Hezbollah, Iran. First of all, they believe that the Mahdi is on earth right now. The, the Mahdiism that drives them, even militaristically. Their military, the Iranian Revolutionary Guard, these are Mahdiists. I mean, they, they have built highways for the Mahdi to, to travel to their holy cities. So Hamas and what they do, ultimately, and you look at the, 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 the work and the coordination with the United Nations, and if I could state this, ladies and gentlemen, please know this, the United Nations is not some governmental body. It is founded and fueled by the likes of people like Alice Bailey. She's a Satanist. They formed the Lucius Trust, and it was essentially built, and, and it's rooted uh, on being an anti-Christian, satanic-based governmental organization known as the United Nations. Now, they've got a secret relationship with the Mahdias, and it's all anti-Christian. Am I wrong about this? Well, I will say this. Uh, whether the, whether the uh, 12th Imam is alive right now and mm -hmm. it has the body of a human, or mm -hmm. whether it's just the spirit of that, mm -hmm. It is alive, it yes. is real, and it is deeply embedded in the United Nations. You can look at what they do. They put Iran as, as a, one of the main voting blocks along with every other evil country in the, in the Security Council. They sanction uh, Israel more times than any other place in the earth while they chopping off the heads of women and, and, uh, yes. and just treating their people so awful. 
So this is, the, we, if we'll wake up and look at what the United Nations is doing, it's just horrible. The United States should drop funding for the United Nations down to a level of about a $10 bill once a year until all the other nations have ponied up their share. And that'll be about 100 years from now, probably. And uh, we yes. take the power out of the United Nations. Oh, I, yes. I call it the United Nothing instead of the United Nations. And let's take their power away because they are, it's just so sad, all the evil they've done, honestly. So you're very much on point. Yeah, now people, you could, people listen, hearing our voice right now, uh, you may be hearing it for the first time. United Nations, Alice Bailey, Satanism, Lucy, what is that? I want you to look this up. You will be floored by it, uh, by how, what the United Nations is all about. Look up Alice Bailey. Look up uh, Lucius Trust, okay? And believe it or not, the Lucius Trust, one of the chairpersons of, chairman of the Lucius Trust is a man named Lord Malik Brown. And who is Lord Malik Brown? He's also the chairman of the Open Society Foundation and also the chairman of a company called Smartmatic and the voting machines. All of this stuff that's coming oh, wow. upon us wow. is all tied together. Go, go go look it up and listen to Alice Bailey's charter. It's basically in the secret vault of the United Nations. Number one, take God and prayer out of the education system. Reduce parental authority over the children. Destroy the Judeo-Christian family structure or the traditional Christian family structure. If sex is free, then make abortion legal and make it easy. Make divorce easy. Make homosexuality an alternative lifestyle. Debase art. Make it run mad. Use media to promote and change mindsets. Create an interfaith movement. And get governments to make all these law and get the church to endorse these changes. And her charter that she set out to do many, many years ago, a long time ago, is in full force and effect right now. And I want to point out, and you probably know this, mm. but the word Malik is king. Mm. And so this person in his name, and names mean a lot. And uh, so what you just said, I'm not familiar with that, but I do recognize the fact that he is... Uh, is in his naming, he's looking to be a king. And that is exactly what yes. the Antichrist comes to be as a king over the nations. Mm -hmm. So uh, that, that makes sense with what you're saying there, brother. It's, yes. Uh, so we just recently down. discovered, and this is a newsworthy statement that I'm making here, because when we find out that there are secret servers and tunnels uh, that that Hamas and the United Nations are colluding to operate... The IDF just discovered these things. The United Nations has been working to subvert the education system in uh, in, uh, in in Gaza, in the Gaza Strip. We already know this. They've been working in opposition and colluding with the other side, with Hamas. We, we know this through this October 7 thing. So the United Nations, obviously, if you look at their charter, their, their, their financing through the Lucius Trust and who their, their operators are, uh, then you know exactly what side they're on. And it's not on the side of Jesus Christ. I do want to make one other point. Yes, while sir. We're here, and I kind of, it goes along with what you said. Uh, it, one of the main things they want to do is this interfaith uh, coming together of one united church. Everyone, you can drop your uh, separate religions and you become to this one united church under 
this uh, this uh, theology. Mm. And I don't want to make clear, a lot of people will look at what we're doing and think that's exactly what we're trying to do on the Temple Mountain by having a house of prayer for all people. But I want to make it very clear that the Jewish fathers of faith and, and me as a Christian and people coming together, we're doing this to honor all people that have good and holy religious backgrounds that have done good work. You see, the St. Jude's Hospital, a Jewish hospital that just saves children, changes lives. And you see the Jewish people go all over the world to do rescue efforts when there's uh, tornadoes, earthquakes. I mean, these are these are religious works that the Jews are doing that we want to see the world continue to do. It's those are good works. And then you see Christian works where we build hospitals, Catholic hospitals, Baptist hospitals, Methodist hospitals. They, we do wonderful works. These need to continue. So we're not trying to uh, blend those together. Matter of fact, we're saying let's let Jews be Jews and stop any persecution towards proselytizing or asking Jews to become a different religion. Let's not ask Christians to become something different. Not even ask Muslims to become something different. Uh, we all need to believe in our heart and in our spirit that there is one hope, and that's through this Messiah that we're going to fully understand. As a Christian, of course, you know that I believe that Yeshua, born in the line of King David, in the around the year of the, the beginning between BC and AD, that this is the Messiah to return. My Jewish fathers of faith. They haven't seen that. Now, the Bible tells us in our New Testament it says they were blinded for a time so that I might understand this. And if that's true, then the blindness will come off at the proper time by God and then we'll all be able to understand it together. But there are things that they understand that I didn't understand. I followed Roman theology and teachings that are just not right. And so we together, when we come together and we keep our individual religions, we're able to actually connect better if we just stop wanting to hurt each other and divide ourselves. We, yes. we must come together without destroying each other is what we hope to do. That's, that's, that's right. the plan that God has for us, I believe. And... Uh um, and keep this in mind. Here's the central theme of what I want to convey to everybody. Um, if you're just coming to these revelations about Alice Bailey in the United Nations, I mean, you, you need to know what the opposition is thinking. Those that want to do harm to us. Those, you know, at Hamas that come over on October 7th. Uh, those that claim that, you know, it's one of their holy lands. And you, you said it's, it's probably not even within the top 10. But ultimately, Alice Bailey, between 1880 and 1949, that's when she walked planet Earth and established her 10-point plan to do what? To destroy Christianity. It's the center of the United Nations mission. And they are deeply embedded on the other side of that border between Israel and Gaza. They've been working in opposition to Christianity, right? Have they not? Absolutely. Against, well, I would say against all God's people. You yes, know, sir. Together we're God's people. So that's what they're against is both. They're against God's people. Yes. And I would say that uh, when he returns the dispute between the Jews and the Christians as to who the Messiah is, it will be a very unifying moment, won't, won't it be? Yeah. Uh, because his, we'll get there. 
We'll, yeah. we'll get there. The, we will. He'll have to help us, but we'll all get there. Yes, sir. I'm we will. Concerned. Jesus doesn't need me to protect his reputation. No. If he's the Messiah, he's going to make sure everyone in the end sees him coming and recognizes him in an instant when he when he comes for our salvation. So yeah. in the meantime, we got to love each other and we got to yeah, come together as God's people. I mean, even if as he was on the cross, he asked the father to forgive them because they, did, they just didn't know what they were doing, did they? At, at right. the time, yes, and that yeah. you're, and I think that's that's the spirit in which you, in which you speak of, and that's how we go forward, uh, with faith, loyalty, and uh, I say loyalty. That's that's an understatement. With absolute, unwavering faith as to who He is, how much we love Him, how much we appreciate what uh, what He did for us uh, by dying on the cross for our sins, sir. Unbelievable. This is probably. I'm going to say this. I've done thousands of, of interviews preparing for these times right now. I just feel, you know, as somebody who finally, you know, later on in life read the Bible was a beautiful thing, right? Uh, I became, you know, born again, of course, and in a very, very important step for all of us to be born again. And I do believe that, you know, in my efforts as I believe that a revival is coming and it will be unmistakable that certain things will take place. It can only, it's not going to come from president Trump. It's not going to come from some entity or, 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 or a human being here on earth. It will come. We will know exactly where it's coming from. And those of us with faith will know who it is and where, where it's coming from. Right. Yes. Amen. And, um, can I, can I tell you something that yes. it's on my mind and it's a little out there, but I, it's something that oh, the Lord please. has really helped me see some. Mm -hmm. So if you read in, in the book, in Peter's book, you see that when, uh, when Jesus arose from the dead, and this is for Christians, and a lot of Jews don't read this, but it says when Jesus arose from, while he was, while he was in death, before he rose from death, I'm sorry, he actually went back and he showed himself to those that were before the flood. Mm. He showed himself to all those that were before the law. You see that it is the law that opens our eyes to sin and goodness. And they hadn't made the choice because the law didn't exist. Mm. And so what I see, and this is for my Christian brothers and sisters to consider, is if God blinded the Jews to Jesus for a time so that we could come in, don't you think that God will be gracious enough to go even into the world of the dead to make sure that they all have the opportunity to see him who was slain for them and his blood was poured out for him? Mm. I'm going to tell you, I believe they will all, every single member of the Holocaust, uh, everyone that was put to death at, by burning in the Spanish Inquisition, all who were thrown to the lions at the time of the Romans, even though they might have been blinded to the fullness of, of the hope of the peace, love, and joy of Yeshua, they will be recipients in eternal life because of who Christ is. He came to be Jewish, not to be Christian. Yes, we have a beautiful Christian religion, but you don't need to be 
quote-unquote, a religious Christian to believe in the blood of Jesus Christ. Many Muslims worldwide are believing on him right now. There is a greatest revival in the world is amongst the Muslims in Iran and all across the, the, the Middle East. And there's a great revival amongst uh, Christians, all, all, everyone is coming. And so this is all part of the uh, recognition of who this Messiah is, who this hope is, and who has the one and only the authority to be the judge. You know, we, we're bad as humans about judging who's going to get salvation and who's not going to get salvation. Well, a long time ago, I saw that's not our job. And so I don't have to worry about it. God assigned Yeshua, the Messiah, to decide those things. And I can just serve him, love my neighbors, love my brothers and sisters, enjoy the full fruit of the spirit, despite persecutions, despite uh, Hamas thinking that somehow me taking some red heifers to Israel was against them. It's not against them. It's for them. It's for the peace of the earth. This is what this is all about. It's not about starting a war. It's about ending wars. Mm. And as to the law, you brought up the law, and it reminds me of uh, a, a Jesus when he stood, um, he stood before uh, those, of course, declaring uh, a higher law. He said, uh, I am the law and the light. Look unto me and endure to the end and ye shall live. That's 3 Nephi 15 to 9, right? Yeah. The laws that they've always said that he was violating. And of course, they, you know, they sentenced him uh, to death that, that he is the law of Moses, right? Yeah. He came, he came to fulfill that law, to, to do every last thing in that law. And, yeah. of course, the law represents, it, the law is the written, it's God in written form. Yes. And he was the only begotten son of God that we could see him in physical form. Mm -hmm. So he is the law in the fact that we, he is our physical incarnation of the written law. And then there's a spiritual law through the spirit of him who can live in us and bring us to uh, put down unrighteous acts that are called the flesh. We have the flesh that calls us to lust and sin and death and murder and all those things that lead to abortion and murdering of babies. And we could go on and on what sin does to us. Hmm. But we that have been grafted into the spirit of Yeshua inside our hearts by repenting of our sin and turning to his blood for a covering can now have the fullness of the spirit helping us to overcome the work of the flesh. And that's every day picking up our cross day to day and following after him with the fullness of the spirit of God. And that's, that's what this is all about. Uh, this yeah. is what God is bringing is peace. Yeah. And yes, absolutely. Uh, but peace. And the next time he comes, he comes with fire, of course, <laughs> not That's to unify, to divide. Evil, right? evil will have a baptism of fire. Yes. We, the believers, and this is Jews and Christians and all that believe we will need to be, we will need to die immediately at his uh, appearing in the sky. Mm. Our bodies are no good at that moment, but our yes. spirits are still 100% ready to go meet him in the clouds with yeah. our dead forefathers, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, 
We're going to be with Moses. We're going to be with all of those in the Bible, those, the apostles. And we, those that are selected to be priesthood in this coming millennial reign will receive bodies to be able to be part of what Jesus is going to establish as he puts baptism of fire on evil to cleanse the world of this evil that's here. Yep, this that's is the right. promise of the word. And uh, everyone with a resistant spirit to this tyranny and this evil that is upon us. You know, here in the United States, any laws that are repugnant to the Constitution are null and void. They're nullified. And the same thing applies at a higher level to the Bible. Anything that is repugnant to the Word of God shall be nullified, and we resist it from now until He comes. Yes. Amen. Right? Yes. Amen. Oh, my goodness. This was, as I said, thousands of interviews. This one right here I consider to be one of the most important. If we could reach one, two, three, four, it doesn't matter in smaller numbers, even if it's one person, that it reaches their soul and they begin to understand. Uh, that means, it, and, and the Lord will say, you know, you're ready to receive my word, right? And we also have to be ready uh, here on earth to, uh, to enter his kingdom. We can't be going in there half co-opted or half-hearted, right, sir? That's right. Thank you. Thank you, and please let everybody know how we can stay in close contact with your... When are you going to be returning back to Israel? So I'll be there uh, at Passover time is uh, April 12th to the 22nd. Then I'll be back to Texas. I have a son that's in school over here, so I've got to come back for him to finish his school year. But then I'll be zipping right back over there, and I'll be in Jerusalem all the way from mid-May until mid-August, I plan on being in Jerusalem and be happy to connect Byron. anytime. My website is byronstinson.me, M-E. Mm -hmm. Byron Stinson, uh, Stinson S-E-I-N-S-O-N.me. It'll be across the bottom in the links down below. And, sir, I would be honored if there's any way that we can connect with you while you're there. Always. Love to talk to you anytime, I'd brother. I'd love to. Uh, we just FYI, we're working on uh, helping con connect many, many different feeds that uh, will be uh, able to video the the ceremony if we're able to accomplish that around the uh, Passover time. And we're working on that. If if it all works as planned, then that feed is going to be available worldwide for everybody in the world to watch. So pray for us as we're trying to uh, make those connections. Uh, actually, it's got to be God does it, but he's using us for that. Yes. And so pray that the Lord would have that. And, I, and what that'll do is drive people to their Bibles. It'll drive them to the Word of God. And there cannot be anything wrong with being in there studying deeper and trying to find all the mysteries of God because He is a mystery, but He wants us to unwrap it so that we know who He is. It's our job to study. So let's keep doing that. I gave you my commitment. I'll help. Uh to you know, help uh, uh, distribute uh, that feed however we can, and we look forward to having you back on again, Mr. I'll have my team reach out to you about as we have more details. Please do, and uh, you know we've got actually some pretty good connections with a very very broad distribution network. We really do. Uh, I know you. Do. His glory, uh, uh, also uh, uh, end time ministries. Uh, Pastor uh, Dave Robbins. He actually he, he baptized me. By the way, I don't know if you know that I was supposed to go to the River Jordan with uh, uh, with his his father in law, but uh, uh, Pastor Dave Robbins. So we'll pass on to him as well. And they've got some pretty big networks. So we'll help uh, with distributing Good. that, sir. Thank you. 
All right, Pete. God bless you. Safe travels. All right, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye bye. Uh, All right, ready. My name's Cass. Sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen. Epic. Epic, epic. I'd love, uh, if at all possible, to go to um, go to Israel for Passover and to live stream um, the event that's take, taking place there. Uh, the details of which you'll find out about. But, you know, whether or not, you know, I can go there and live stream it or we will certainly live stream it during Passover uh, right here with, you know, with your help and support, of course. One way to do that, look at, um, I want to show you, uh, this is that time of the day where I take my, my Bella Grace elixir. I do it twice a day. I open the packet. Here it is right here. It's a thin little packet. Ah, wild berry. Ah, oh, it tastes so good taste like fresh berries bella grace elixir um a miraculous combination of three ingredients one is verisol collagen the second is astaxanthin and the third is cat's claw that combination right there for me for men for women uh, if you've got inflammation like i do my right ankle because of a service-connected disability, my inflammation, and my right ankle is pretty much gone. For women, uh, collagen is great. It helps your body produce the collagen that you need to keep your, your skin healthy. Uh, and the other products there are to be found at pete.bellagraceglobal.com. And by the way, we'd love, with your support of Bella Grace Global, I'd love to be able to fund you know, a trip to uh, to the Temple Mount to during Passover. Um, record the arrival of those red heifers. And as you may already know, of course, the Ark of the Covenant uh, is at Mar-a-Lago. The replica of that Ark of the Covenant is at Mar-a-Lago. Maybe that, uh, that Ark of the Covenant will return. Uh, we can only pray that it, you know, that it does with all of the other um, very, the fine art uh, that was produced and handcrafted for this moment in time. It's going to happen uh, this year, folks. It is. Go to pete.bellagraceglobal.com. That's pete.bellagraceglobal.com. Help support us. Help support our broadcasts. Um, help our efforts. I, I don't know if we'll ever be able to do it. It will only happen uh, with, uh, with your assistance, with your, with your help. I hope you enjoyed this broadcast. I'm going to sign off for right now. Please tune in uh, this afternoon uh, for the Santilla Report on LFA. That's LFA TV. We're so proudly 
uh, place there. Of course, all of the War Room uh, Posse members, we welcome you uh, with with open arms. We certainly do. Uh, There's been a pretty emotionally charged uh, broadcast. I hope that you share it with everybody far and wide. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see you at 4 o'clock for LFA TV, the Santilla Report at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Bye, everyone.